With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to tntradio.live. Limbit Opic. This is the Limbit Opic Show on today's News Talk TNT Radio. Greetings one and all. It is four minutes past six in the morning in the United Kingdom, a lot later in the afternoon in Sydney, Melbourne, uh, and all points Australia, wherever you are in the world, welcome to the home of free speech, uh, and that is TNT Radio. Uh, I'm Lemba Topic. I'll be with you for the next two hours uh, with news, views, and comment. Uh, the difference with TNT Radio is we separate them apart. All you have to do is think for yourself, uh, and that's because we feel there is a space for restoring what the media should really be, at least the current affairs media, which is to give you facts, express our opinions, and let you do the rest. I'm so glad you can join us. You can join us even more by going to tntradio.live and join the chat. Uh, you can express your views there. There's often a very interesting parallel conversation going on there. Uh, I will, as best I can, comment and uh, report on what you're saying. You don't have to agree with what you're hearing on the station. Uh, you can have a different view. The difference, again, is that we will tolerate those views and even express them. You can even criticize us if you want to. That's okay. That's what grown-up human beings allow each other to do. Uh, coming up in this hour, uh, we've got Gemma Cooper with her own uh, British take on world politics. Uh, she'll be joining us in just a few minutes. Uh, then we've got uh, Simeon Boykoff on the other side of the world, uh, and maybe your world, of course, if you're in Australia, uh, with his uh, take on what's going on and uh, his positioning, uh, not in terms of his own opinion, so he'll express those, but his positioning about what you need to know uh, about politics and what's going on there. Jessica Rose will join us about DNA contamination and COVID vaccines. That's something we've talked about quite a lot here on TNT Radio. Uh, interestingly, not many of the old media like to discuss this because it means they have to betray the mainstream. They have to betray the establishment. Well, I'd suggest the establishment may have betrayed us. We'll find out more from uh, Jessica Rose about that. And Mary uh, Kostadikis will join us. Uh, she is a former SBS news presenter, and she'll be talking about potentially one of the most vexatious uh, violations of free speech, depending where you stand, of course, on this. And that's the case against David McBride, who is a whistleblower. He's been accused of essentially betraying his nation, uh, whereas others say he's been loyal to his nation. I wonder where you stand on that all of that in this hour and of course we've got another hour after that filled with packed information points of view and also your chance to have your say once again if you want to say something then i will be very happy to read out your comment uh, that's tntradio.live uh, go to the chat uh, you can also find the phone numbers uh, they're different depending where you live in the world if we've got time we'll squeeze your call in to stress again i'm not expecting you to agree with everything you hear i'm expecting you to think for yourself and give us the honour of sharing your views with us so that others can triangulate and uh, develop their own mature perspective on the world around us. I want to talk about one particular story before we go to Gemma today, uh, something which I think uh, should worry anyone who feels a little bit duped by the original COVID uh, pandemic treatment around the world. It says here, infectious disease expert urges Aussies to wear masks as eighth COVID wave begins. That's on news.com.au. Well, it goes on to say a fresh warning has emerged from health authorities for Australians to stop being slack with COVID protection measures. 
an infectious disease expert, has urged Australians to wear masks as the wave prompts two states to consider reintroducing the unpopular measure. Uh, and that uh, goes on to say this week, two Adelaide hospitals from, uh, made mas masks mandatory in clinical areas, while Queensland doctors have urged the state government to mandate masks in hospitals and on public transport. Two things about this, my friends. Number one, it's the eighth COVID wave. I didn't realise this. I wasn't even sure we were on the third. And the second one is, what happened to the other five? Why weren't we wearing masks? Why weren't people dropping dead in the streets? No, don't get me wrong. People were ill with something. Uh, there is a certain strain of diseases called COVID. And uh, some people died as a result, but people die of flu also. How many people died because of the COVID vaccine? COVID vaccine? How many people are suffering long-term life-changing injuries as a result of the measures taken from COVID? And perhaps more personally still, how many people died alone in solitude because their relatives couldn't be with them as they passed away? My mother died during COVID, not of COVID, but I didn't see her for most of the last two years of her life because of these restrictions. I have a very strong personal view about that. She might have lived longer if she'd had more personal contact with her family. I can't say that for sure. Uh, she ended up in a care home during COVID. Would that have happened if uh, the situation with isolation hadn't caused her to live alone and struggling as a disabled person? You'll have your own views on this. You don't have to agree with mine. If you live in these areas affected in Australia, are you going to wear a mask? If not, why not? Give reasons for your answer and you can give them on the phone, find the numbers at uh, tndradio.live or in the chat. All your views are welcome on that. And we will be re returning to the question of COVID in this hour. That's all with me, Lembertopic, here on TNT Radio. World News Reported Right. I try to find news outlets that aren't too biased. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Joining me now is somebody who has never knowing the undersold when it comes to the truth. It's Gemma Cooper. Good morning, Gemma. Morning, Lambert. Morning. Yes. How are you this Before morning? We go I'm okay, but rather disturbed about this particular story. Uh, would you wear a mask if you were mandated to do it? <laughs> this is TNT Radio. You do know that. <laughs> Today's news talk, lighting the fuse for freedom. The clue is kind of in the name, isn't it? No, absolutely not. I wouldn't wear it. I didn't wear it before, a mask before, and I won't wear it now. And, and it, it is absolutely ludicrous, isn't it? I mean, the eighth strain of the deadly virus, which... It killed hardly anybody in the first place anyway. It was colds, flu, pneumonia, the usual respirat upper respiratory tract uh, viruses. Well, even if they are viruses, there's a whole debate on that. I'm not uh, qualified enough to get into it, but I would say that Dawn Lester and David Parker's book, What Really Makes You Ill?, is definitely well worth reading when it comes to the whole question of what viruses are or aren't and how the body responds to toxins. So there's a whole debate there. But either way, masks, it's been proven they don't protect you against anything except, you know, virtue signaling. That's it. That's it. And, oh, yeah, and mind control. That's the other one. <laughs> well, they don't protect you against virtue signaling because they are virtue signaling. And, well, exactly. Uh, That's what I mean, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I remember famously when Joe Biden wore a mask as he either got off the plane or walked across a room. Then when he got to the people, he took the mask off and shook their hands. I think he missed the point a little bit, but there we go. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> or he what got, do you have or he, I was going to say, well, he got the point entirely, didn't he? That that's the whole thing, you know, are the cameras still on? Are they still on? I'll take this damn thing off. You know, that's, that's, it's just ludicrous. And if, and it's the same here in the UK in hospitals, they are mandating masks. They ask you to wear a mask in a clinical setting. 
Oh, honestly, honestly, the whole thing. And it leads me nicely, actually, into the story that has caught my eye this morning here in the UK, but I'm sure will reverberate around the world. And it's this the, the war on woke. We seem to be having a backlash against virtue signaling and and wokeness. I mean, it's quite interesting, isn't it, that in the very recent cabinet reshuffle where we've seen the return of David Cameron, we've also seen a, a, a minister without portfolio uh, appointed as as the as the common sense czar in in the UK. And ostensibly, what that is is a war on virtue signalling and a war on on woke. That's Esther McVeigh, um, who until the last couple of days was a, a TV presenter here on a on a, t- a well known TV channel. Um, and because of this, this whole kind of like they're understanding where the mood is going with the public here in the UK. And I'm sure it's the same in America and Australia. I mean, Australians, you know, generally are quite straight up people and they don't take a lot of crap. And I think they're seeing through it. But there's a company in, uh, in Britain, in, in North Wales, that is flying a flag outside its headquarters, headquarters and it's come under fire from only one person. But that one person's jumped up and down enough. To, to make a stink. And the flag outside this company, it says woke free zone, woke free zone. It's, it's, it's firmly nailed its colors to the mast here and says, we, we aren't taking this. The founder of this company said that the, the flag itself represents a, a valid viewpoint, which needs to be reflected. And they say a cloak of wokeness has taken over all aspects of our society, education, culture, mainstream media, and that it's more than reasonable to question it, which is absolutely a valid point. I mean, that's what we do here on, on TNT. Uh, and interestingly, the company boss, who employs a lot of people, a couple of hundred people, he said he's looking at young people coming up now uh, out of the education system, and he says this whole agenda is not aiding the development of our young. And do you remember yesterday we talked about how we're bringing up our kids? You know, we're not we're farming them out to childcare and to nurseries and to, to other people. Um, he says that he's seeing young people coming through and he says, as an employer, the qualities we want are confidence, independent thinking, communication skills, teamwork, hard work, and resilience. And what he's saying is, with the kind of young people coming out of the system, they don't display any of those characteristics. And he's blaming it on this woke agenda where, you, you know, you, everything has to be inclusive. Everything, well, don't say this, don't say that. Oh, what about this? What about that? And uh, he's saying, as a country, he says, are we failing young people with this agenda? And he's so he's, he's put this flag up. One person has caused a stink. So, of course, it's made the headlines here. Uh, but interestingly, at the weekend, I think I mentioned to you, I was um, hosting a conference about net zero. And there are a lot of very switched on people there. And um, there was somebody there that knows an employer who actually does run a TV station here in the UK. And he said that that employer as well, he's seeing people coming up wanting to work in the, in the media and they haven't got any skills and they don't want to work. And you'll say to someone, can, can you, anyone under the age of 30, or can you just do this? And they'll be like looking at their phone going, yeah, in a minute, yeah, whatever, to their bosses. And I can you imagine if you or I had done that when we were in our 20s and 30s coming up through the ranks, you know? Oh yeah, in a minute. If we'd have said that to our employers, we would have been fired. But there seems to be this this agenda has enabled young people to go, oh, do I really have to? Oh, God, you know. Um, so this this employer is kicking against it, and and it's made the headlines here. We've now got a minister for common sense, i.e. a minister for a war on woke. Hopefully, we're seeing a backlash. Um, or there's another alternative, uh, which is, Gemma, you and I becoming our parents, because my parents used to hate <laughs> stuff like this. I'm well aware of that. You know, young people, they're not what they used to be. 
But but uh, it's not just you and me. It's the company now with a flying a flag against it. It's the government appointing a minister against it. Unless the whole country is turning into their parents, the whole of the UK is saying we've had enough. Is the tide turning? You know, it's Wednesday here. It's hump day. It's the middle of the week. I thought this story would bring a glimmer of positivity to the middle of the week where we can think, you know, finally, people are having the courage to say enough is enough. Enough is enough now with this woke thing. It's gone too far. I, I noticed this with the environmental catastrophism. You don't hear many people really talking about it apart from the extremists. It's like a lake which has dried up into some militant puddles. Uh, so you've got Extinction Rebellion and the others, and little Greta, whatever she's doing now. But we've moved on from it. Then we had COVID, and now we've got the wars. Uh, if anyone was concerned about conspiracies, perhaps there's a simpler explanation. Uh, these are fashions, but the song remains the same for the general public, which is feed your family, live in safety, have some love, and occasionally a holiday. Uh, all four of which are, of course, endangered by the kind of agenda you're describing. Well, yeah, that that's true. That is true. Um, I, I'm not so sure. It's like, oh, they're not conspiracies. I think they are because they came. These things they come from nowhere, and suddenly they explode onto the world stage. And when that happens, you have to think, well, that's that's been orchestrated. There's no doubt about it. How do these things suddenly? you know, gain such traction? How does a 16-year-old girl suddenly get an audience with the President of the United States? It just, that doesn't happen. That You know, that's been orchestrated, engineered, and the woke agenda suddenly exploded in the last, what, three, four years um, into this, like, you can't do anything, can't say anything, can't even think anything, lest someone read your mind. Um, but it, it is good that so many people are seeing through it in, to the extent that the government sees fit to appoint a minister, whether it's just to appease people, I don't know. Uh, but this this company seems to have been galvanised by that appointment, has stuck this flag outside its HQ, you know, woke free zone, um, and is saying that we're doing it because we're seeing people coming through, young people coming through without the characteristics to equip them for the modern world. I mean, this guy, this uh, this boss, he says, the world is tough. The world is full of challenges. You know, that's li it's called life. And he, he's very, he's very... um. Not outspoken. He's just very plain speaking. I wouldn't mind going to work there. It sounds like TNT. Um, and he, he quotes Elon Musk. He says, look, we've got Elon Musk questioning this. We're not the only ones. Let's get real people. Let's get real. This agenda isn't serving our young people. So who? let's see where we go from here. Elon Musk says uh, that uh, freedom only means something if you let people you don't like say things that you don't like. Uh, I don't always agree with Musk, but I think he's pretty much right on that one. Uh, just one other thought for you. Uh, I do think there are conspiracies, but the conspiracy is using conspiracies to try to keep us under control, which is why when one dries up, they have to find another one. And it seems to me that probably the environmental one is near to running its course. So they have to find something else. Wars are always very handy for that as well, as George Orwell always said. Um, thank you so much. Uh, I want to get you a quote, Gemma, about free speech, which I'll do for the next hour when I see you. Gemma will be back with us uh, in about 15 minutes. What do you think about what Gemma said? Do you agree? I'll get some of your comments and uh, your calls, if there are any, uh, on that specific issue um, in a few moments. Uh, certainly finding a chat very interesting. Uh, coming up next, we've got uh, our very own TNT Simeon Boykoff. He'll be giving us his unique perspective on the world as well. All of that with me, Lemma Topic, here on TNT Radio.
CNT Radio's Hervoy Morich. It's reported out in Canada that last year 4.1% of all deaths in Canada were due to MAID, medical assistance in dying, the country's eugenics program. This is according to the country's health ministry. 13,241 people died under the MAID program. And uh, it says the program was criticized for allegedly driving citizens into a suicide on the grounds of poverty or lack of health care. Stories included two separate cases of cash-strapped women suffering from chronic health conditions who successfully applied to end their lives. Four Canadian military veterans were allegedly pressured to opt for medically assisted death by a now-suspended Veterans Affairs Canada caseworker. Made program, or in other words, as R.J. Rommel would call it, democide, death by government, pretty much. It's a brave, brave new world. Hervoy Morich on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Hi, I'm Susan Lucci. I never thought about heart disease until I had my own heart event. At first, like so many other women out there, I ignored my symptoms. A slight pressure on my chest, shortness of breath. I thought, I don't have time to be sick. I had a a 90% blockage in my main artery and a 75% blockage in the adjacent artery. I received two stents in my arteries, stents developed through research funded by the American Heart Association. Those stents saved my life. I'm so grateful to the American Heart Association. Their research helped save my life. I can enjoy life with my children, my grandchildren, and my friends. Please, listen to your heart. The only reason I'm here today is because I did. Learn more about the American Heart Association's life-saving work at helpheart.org. I want to say this, and I'm going to say it just once. This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Greetings, one and all. It is 20 past six or thereabouts in the UK, uh, between eight and uh, 11 hours later uh, on the far side of the world. Wherever you are, welcome to TNT Radio, the home of free speech, where we give you the space to express your comments as well. Uh, go into the chat, and when I've got time, I'll read out your comments. Uh, coming up in a short while, we'll be talking about DNA contamination, something the establishment doesn't really like to talk about. They suggest that those who talk about it are concerned conspiracists those who talk about it suggests the real conspiracy lies with the establishment we'll find out more about that uh, with dr jessica rose in a short while but coming up now our very own tnt presenter simeon boykoff with another take on a certain aspect of politics you may or may not have heard about simeon good afternoon to you how are you doing good afternoon Levin. always a pleasure to be with you uh, live from sydney from the russian consulate soon going to be 12 months anniversary they're going very well and uh, what time is it there? Because I always get confused by the summertime and the winter time. 5.22 p.m. Sydney time, 6.22 p.m. Brisbane time. Okay, so it's exactly 12 hours apart between Brisbane and London, 11 hours for Sydney. Thanks, good to know. Uh, but you probably didn't talk call to talk about the time or the weather, but maybe the political weather. I know it's a bit of a British thing, isn't it, to talk about the time and the weather? Uh, in Australia, we like to get down to business and get down into the dirty side of things straight away. So without further ado, uh, an article that hit the news this morning from a very far, far left uh, agency. It's called Crikey. Uh, you probably, none of you ever heard of it because it's not a very reputable uh, agency. Uh, Crikey has run a story written by Cam Wilson this morning. Cam Wilson himself 
uh, describes himself to be uh, a, a journalist, someone who worked uh, for the ABC, with the ABC previously. Now, he's run a headline claiming that Australia's far-right figures are trying to co-opt the pro-Palestine movement. Uh, Anti-fascist researchers have warned that accounts with histories of far-right activism are taking advantage of pro-Palestine content. What does that even mean? What is an anti-fascist researcher? Well, you can guess what it means. It's one of those researchers, quote-unquote, who is of left uh, inclinations or maybe extreme left inclinations, political views, probably a uni student who uh, is anti-right-wing or just very pro-left. Now, the left have always had a monopoly over the pro-Palestine movement uh, for decades now. It's probably much the same where you are, Lambert, in the United Kingdom. Uh, I would imagine that the left have a very strong presence in the pro-Palestine sphere. And that's fine. I mean, you know, everybody went through that phase. Everybody was a student. Everybody wanted to save the world and save the rainforest and save the Palestinians and save you know, the Tibetans and whoever else needs saving. Now, the left in Australia have enjoyed uh, strong, very strong Palestinian protests. But what the, the dynamic, what we can see here on the ground is tens of thousands of uh, pro-Palestinians in Australia marching, the biggest protest we've ever seen for years now since the days of the lockdowns. Now, when we're talking about 50,000, 100,000 protesters that there was in Melbourne last week. Now, this weekend in Sydney, we've got protests planned as well, Sunday the 19th of November, and reminding everyone listening that the 18th of November Worldwide Freedom Rally March was stopped and blocked by the police because they didn't want the Harbour Bridge to be blocked. And so we've really decided, well, if the police want to block it, we're just going to tell everyone to join into the big, big protest on Sunday the 19th, which is uh, officially about free Palestine and a ceasefire. However, if you look into the, these big protests and you scratch the surface, you'll find that they're dominated by groups like the Socialist Alliance, right? the Green Left, the Greens, uh, Queers for Palestine, uh, all sorts of strange and ambiguous student groups and lefty groups, which is fine. You know, they're very good at chanting. They're great at uh, uh, organizing themselves, uh, you know, marching with megaphones. It's it's all part of their sort of uh, bravado, their, their uh, style of activism, student activism, left activism. That's fine. That's great. But they want to monopolize it. Now, they have said today in this article from Crikey, this uh, bloke, Cam Wilson, has said that Australian neo-Nazis, far-right figures, and members of the anti-lockdown, anti-vaccine freedom movement have taken to pro-Palestine activism since the beginning of the Israel-Hamas conflict, with some outright celebrating as a way to bring anti-Semitism into the mainstream. What a what a mess, what a, what a uh, absolute uh, fruit salad of words is put together there, neo-Nazis, far-right figures, anti-vax freedom movement. This is classic of the West. They put uh, that's the West, the, the left, should I say. Uh, I'm so used to attacking the, the West. Freudian and the slip left. there. <laughs> Freudian <laughs> slip. It's that, that's the Russian in me coming out, you know. I've been told by management, <laughs> keep the Russian out of it, stick to Australian politics. There you go. Can't help myself. But um, uh, I'm sure someone will have a giggle in the studio over that. So it's the left, the left that are trying to have this uh, monopoly that they've got over the pro-Palestine movement. And don't forget... They were watching from the sidelines during the years of lockdown at us, the anti-lockdown, anti-vaccine freedom movement, who they claim are Nazis and far-right figures, which we claim is an outrageous allegation. No one's a Nazi. No one's far-right. We're just right so far. And they were out of the picture. They had to sit on the sidelines wearing masks while we enjoyed the centre stage and we were enjoying activism and we were living their dream, right, of saving the country, saving the world, saving society. and. Now it's their chance. They've got a cause again. 
all of a sudden thanks to the Palestinian tragedy and it is a tragedy and that's what I want to remind the left it's a tragedy right it's not about the socialist alliance it's not about the green left right it's about these poor Palestinians who are being bombed and these hospitals now that are being raided with uh Israeli troops going from corridor to corridor from level to level through hospitals it's amazing uh that they're getting away with this yeah, and that's who it's about now of course the left very cleverly are capitalizing on this and they are actually uh, worried that there's a growing number of Australians supporting it but what I want to say is that this issue really is bipartisan we've got plenty of support from the right and the left the left have just dominated it the the masses that are going to these rallies in Sydney Melbourne Perth Brisbane all over the country and this could be the same in the UK I want to ask you that uh the, the masses are actually people from multicultural backgrounds these are people that are migrants from Lebanon from Syria from you know the Middle East itself right that's the 90 percent you got the 10 percent of them the lefties the socialist alliance the greenies the green left whatever they're called and they're the ones who are organizing the infrastructure the megaphones the banners right so unknowingly all of these sort of uh multicultural Australians who feel so strongly about Palestine because it is by all regards it's their homeland and they've got relatives over there that have been killed and bombed so they're marching here they're sort of being uh dominated and led by the left faction uh now they're worried yeah worried about us moving in uh Lambert you're saying I was going to say, uh, you're quite right. This reminds me of the Black Lives Matter fiasco, where it was quite obviously uh, run by really extreme, militant, politically dogmatic individuals, uh, when other people sincerely felt that there was a cause there. Once again, the general public doesn't like what they're seeing in Palestine, but the left try to ideologically take it, take control. And so it's about them. It's not about the issue. And I think you're absolutely right. Um, the, the left slavishly followed the rules, uh, even though the rules were wrong uh, when it came to COVID, and they're trying to re regain some of their, their fighting ground. Uh, and it's I don't think a lot of the time it's about uh, Palestine. It is for the general public, but I don't think it is for these groups. I, I completely agree with you. Look, I quote from this Crikey article from this uh, lefty journalist, Cam Wilson. He says that uh, for the freedom movement, it's an opportunity, he claims, to grow their audience and mobilize their existing supporters in the same way they used previous issues such as COVID-19 lockdowns and the Indigenous voice to Parliament. Well, here's the message for Cam Wilson, Crikey, and all the lefties who see the freedom movement as a threat. We didn't use COVID-19 lockdowns, right? We wouldn't have even gone onto the streets had there been no lockdowns and no mandates. Right? We're not there to pick a fight. We react to what the government's doing. Right? Unlike the lefties who are constantly looking for a cause, they can't stop. They're always looking for the current thing. It's always got to be something it's always going to be something that they're chasing there's not enough of there's not enough rights for this they get their rights on that they want more rights they they, they do something to themselves they become ambiguous themselves they want your kids to be the same as they are you know what i mean i'm not going to say to point fingers or name things or name names or name trends or demographics but everyone knows what i'm talking about they're always constantly on the path to uh banging their to, uh, banging their mm. uh claims uh, promoting their causes and unlike the freedom side the freedom movement we're happy just to get together and enjoy freedom and breathe the sunshine and breathe the fresh air and have a barbecue and uh smile at each other and uh enjoy the day enjoy the weather as you started this conversation with a very british thing to do uh, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, we didn't ask for lockdowns we didn't ask for the voice if, to parliament we reacted to it but if if you if you're in the extreme left you're not allowed to be happy you have to be angry that's the point of being 
a left-wing extremist. That's one other thing. Stay with us, Simeon, because I'd like to continue this after the break, if that's all right. There is one piece of good news, though. If everything's been cancelled on the 18th of November, then everyone can go to the Australian for Science and Freedom Conference, which is on the 18th and 19th of November in uh, the University of New South Wales. So there's some uh, some cold comfort. Uh, actually, um, just one last question, because we will actually move on to our next guest. Uh, Simeon, do you think that the left is making any creating any traction for itself with the, if you like, more moderate, more um, free-thinking public, if you like? Or do you think they're just distracting everyone from the real issues? That is a, an excellent point. Are they uh, using this Palestinian issue. I'm, I'm, I'm sure that there are genuine uh, sentiments there for Palestine, uh, but the Palestinians, the, the, the bulk of these people, I'm sure they don't appreciate as well uh, where they're being sold green left weekly newspapers and leftist paraphernalia, and whatnot. Well, I don't mind. I don't criticize them either. They, they, they're doing what they're doing, and it's not a competition. They're trying to make it a competition. They're worried about this influx of freedom movement protesters. And you know what? Yes, let's all go there. Send them. You know, if you're listening and you're thinking of going to a rally this week, go down to the uh, Sunday rally in Sydney or Brisbane or Perth or Adelaide. Bring an Australian flag, for goodness sake. Because one thing with these protests so far, they've got the optics game all wrong. Australians don't react nicely when they see a crowd of 50,000 and amongst them there's not one Aussie flag, right? It's important to remember what country you're in and Australians will identify with you if you've got the right optics. And that's where the freedom movement always had great optics. Akubra hats, red ensign flags, Eureka flags, Australian flags, you know, good optics, good atmosphere. When you've got the optics of, you know, quite confronting images, you know, of these crowds uh, screaming things like uh, gas the... Uh, certain nationality, for example, disaster. That's when you lose support. Even if you're right, you lose support. And your enemies, right, will take advantage of those clips, take advantage of those optics, pump them out onto social media, and you lose the game. Uh, what, what can I say? You make a very good point. This Saturday, since the police have blocked any attempt to block the Harbour Bridge, uh, I completely agree with you. Everyone who should head down to the Freedom Conference at the uh, University of New South Wales. Uh, what time does it start there? 8.30 a.m., I uh, believe. 8.30. 8.30, and it's both days. Yeah. yeah. And then you're going to be with people who really are willing to argue, disagree, but would do it with information and do separate opinions from facts, and everyone isn't there just for themselves. Uh, Simeon, thank you so much. Uh, I wish I could go to that conference. Uh, it's just a bit far. Uh, hey, I wish I could go to it too. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll remind everyone about the details a little bit later on. That's Simeon Boykov. You can, of course, hear him on TNT Radio as well. Uh, he is uh, he does the Aussie Cossack Show on Saturdays, 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. That's Brisbane time. Uh, that's 8 uh, to 10 uh, a.m. That's UK time. Uh, coming up next, we're going to go back to the COVID question. And Dr. Jessica Rose will join us. That's all on uh, with me, Lamatopic, here on TNT Radio. News. News. There is a difference. What's on the schedule for today? A little less yappity yap and a little more news. Yay. Now, TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. Turkey as president has vowed to support the reconstruction and recovery of Gaza, but says the final bill for the rebuild will rest with Israel. Donald Trump's attorney has confirmed the former president will file for a mistrial in the civil fraud case against him. 
and New York is creating a Ministry of Truth. The state's Democratic governor announcing it's collecting data from surveillance efforts on social media. Are you enjoying listening to TNT Radio? Do you think we're doing a good job? Then please let us know. Why not leave us a like or a positive review or comment on Facebook, Gab or Getter. Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Greetings, Demi Dopik here for the next hour and a half or so. Uh, we're going to be talking COVID uh, earlier on uh, with Gemma Cooper here on TNT Radio. We were talking about the efficacy of masks uh, and uh, Pearly69 says, boosters, no way. They sucked me in for three shots. No more ever again for me. Uh, Chris says they didn't protect anyone. So everyone who has vaccine injuries, uh, injuries has been killed by big pharma. Uh, just two more here. Uh, Mogden says no chance of wearing a mask. Also, if the jab works, why would anyone need to wear a useless bit of paper over their mouth? Good point there, by the way. And Deborah says I work in aged care in uh, Australia and now have to wear a mask. I will not wear one outside of work. We mostly pull them down as the residents can't understand us. I hate it, but I do love my job. So it's too much to leave. Keep your calls and comments coming there. Let's stay on the subject of COVID. And the rather disturbing question of DNA contamination. Joining me now is Dr. Jessica uh, Rose, a Canadian immunologist and uh, data scientist who specializes in analyzing COVID vaccine injuries. Well, you should analyze me, uh, doctor, because I had one with the third uh, third jab, no doubt about it. Uh, thanks for joining us. First of all, what does it mean? Just in simple terms, what does it mean to have a vaccine injury? Um, that's a great question. Um, I've, I've come into this, uh, you know, starting in the COVID era. So, uh, my awareness of vaccine injury was actually quite nil before say 2020. Um, now I'm, I'm fully versed. So I analyzed the VAERS database, which is a vaccine adverse event reporting system. So, Basically, it's uh, it's a side effect from getting injected with a vaccine or some kind of injectable product, usually that occurs within you know a time a short time frame after the injection. Um, it can range from death to the chills to injection site pain. Um, when you report an adverse event to a pharmacovigilance database, you just have to have a suspicion that there's a connection between the injection or the vaccination and the occurrence or the onset of the side effect. So um, the causing, uh, the causative aspect is something that is assessed afterwards. But if you're a practicing GP and you give a shot to somebody in your practice, and 15 minutes later, or within 15 minutes, that person succumbs to an anaphylactic reaction, you don't really have to do a causality assessment to understand that the shot caused the anaphylaxis. So you have to use a bit of con common sense here as well. Uh, uh, yeah. There's something called the, uh, let me get this right, Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, an actual official system to report these uh, these events, isn't there? Yes, and uh, that's for the United States. Uh, the UK has the yellow card system. Uh, Europe has the UDRA system. Uh, Australia has the Dane system. Um, South Africa has a system that they've developed uh, on their own, independent scientists and medical doctors called uh, SAVERS. So there are 
multiple ways to collect data um, with regard to uh, pharmacovigilance, which is like the, the way that you assess whether or not a product is causing damage in the way of side effects after clinical trials have been run. It's like uh, it's a an on the market way to determine whether or not we made some some oopsies during the clinical trials and say we didn't see a connection between a, a vaccine and intussusception, for example. So in other words, we turn the human race into guinea pigs. All right. <laughs> uh, the, the yeah, but that's not a phase four. Yeah, that, that's that's not a wrong way to say it. I mean, normally these products do, uh, in, like in the past, there have been more rigorous uh, standards applied to the testing. I mean, it it takes a vaccine, a conventional vaccine, mind you, about 10 years to get to market. There is a lot of testing on before anything actually goes into arms. But the problem with the COVID shots is that that didn't happen. It went through about six months of phase three cl uh, clinical trial testing. The clinical trials were a joke. I know that because I've seen the data. And these products are not conventional vaccines. They are completely new technology. So from every way that you look at this, um, it is suspicious and and it, it's not surprising that we're seeing all of these millions of reported adverse events in the context of these shots because we, we didn't have any safety data before There's the question about dna contamination is one of great concern i suspect it's affected me what what, what have you found and what does it mean dna contamination so um well well don't suspect it, it it's affecting you yet um well what we found uh is that this was found by accident actually by Kevin McKernan when he was um he was sequencing one of or many of the vials of the Pfizer bivalent product and instead of finding what you're supposed to find which is just the modified mRNA he found a lot of DNA the reason why, well, first of all, let me say there isn't supposed to be DNA in these shots. Um, the reason it's there, we think, is because at the end process of manufacturing the modified mRNA, this DNA, which is used to produce the modified mRNA, was not cleaned out thoroughly. And that points to not so good manufacturing practices going on. We don't know exactly what happened, but we know at what stage something went wrong. And that's in the final stages of purification of the product. Now, there are multiple ways to test for purity of product at the end. And this is why it's very strange to us that these, these vials that have been tested, and by the way, every single vial that has been tested reproduced in five different labs around the world have found this DNA, uh, the residual DNA in the vials. So um, it's uh, it's alarming and we need to get to the bottom of this because the implications of DNA, residual DNA or contamination are, uh, they, they have an impact on your genome. So it could induce genomic instability, which could actually lead to cancer. So this is why this is concerning. I, I don't, I don't want to, you know, uh, fear monger here. It's, it's, uh, it's something that we need to investigate. Um, 
But if you feel fine, you're likely fine because this isn't, it's not applicable to all people who got injected. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Uh, it's my ignorance, really. I definitely had a very bad reaction, but it was within the next, within 24 hours, a, a kind of hallucination experience, really. But at the time, wow. I didn't, yeah, I, I could, <laughs> it's quite amusing in a sense, looking back. I was on a train going into central London and I saw all these yellow people and I was so concerned, I called one of my friends who wasn't in the UK, who was actually in Greece, because I thought she wouldn't be part of this invasion. And she said, put put your camera on, put your camera on. So I put my camera on and there were yellow people. There were children in day-glow jackets. But to me, I thought there was a threat. And I don't take a hallucinogenic. Wow. Yeah, I didn't take these hallucinogenic drugs. Um, I wasn't ill in any other way. I got off the train. She said, get off the train. And I said, I can't. She said, why not? I said, it's moving. She said, get off at the next station. And everything became literal <laughs> to me. And she, she talked to me into a coffee shop. And then a friend of mine came across London, cancelled his meetings and sat with me. And I wasn't and talked me down, basically. Uh, it was like a, I guess what I, I have to say, I'm innocent of the way of hallucinogenic drugs, but what people call a very bad trip. It couldn't have been anything other than. Yeah, wow. You're so lucky to have uh, good people to talk you out of that because, I mean, yeah, bad trips can go really bad. And and you know what? It's not um, it's not uncommon in VARES. Uh, there are different types of uh, hallucination experiences that I've analyzed in this database. There are auditory, visual, um, physical, like tactile. There's all different kinds of uh, reported hallucination experiences that people have um, have had, and so that does point to something affecting the brain or at least the senses. So uh, have, have you had any problems since? Uh, blood pressure issues, which have been resolved by a more rigorous training exercise, uh, regime, but I've never had blood pressure issues until then. Can you just stay with us? Because I, I want to go to a break, but I'd like to just explore one more area with you, if that's okay. Have you just got a few yeah. more minutes, doctor? No. Sure. Um, we're talking to Dr. Jessica Rose. If you've had a vaccine injury, uh, then say so. I, as I described mine, I suppose it's amusing now. It wasn't funny at the time, but it changed my view of vaccines. Uh, let us know your views. We'll come back to Dr. Jessica Rose with just another question or two in a moment. This is Lembotopic. This is TNT Radio. With his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. Who says legislation isn't a contact sport? We nearly came to blows today in the United States Senate as Senator Mark Wayne Mullen of Oklahoma squared off against Sean Butterbean O'Brien, the general president of the International Brotherhood of Teamsters. O'Brien had been very critical of Mullen on X, tweeting, greedy CEO who pretends like he's self-made. Just a clown and a fraud, always has been, always will be. Quit the tough guy act in these Senate hearings. You know where to find me, any place, any time, cowboy. Mark Wayne Mullen read that tweet and said, here is a place, now is a time you want to go? And Butterbean said, let's go. Cooler heads like Bernie Sanders intervened. They weren't going to come to blows anyway. This wasn't quite the caning of abolitionist Republican Senator Charles Sumner by pro-slavery Democrat Senator Preston Brooks of South Carolina in 1856, but it was good to see a Republican show a little spine, show a little enthusiasm for his position. Now, if we can only get Mark Wayne as focused on election integrity efforts and on budgetary issues as he is on posts on X. 
For MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for TNT Radio. Challenging the consensus and debunking the narrative, this is Viewpoint. The lack of civilian access to working group meetings on the WHO pandemic treaty is a concern. Another is the degree to which the World Health Organization will no longer be making recommendations to member countries but dictating to them. Astrid Stuckelberger, a scientist at the Institute of Global Health of the Faculty of Medicine of the University of Geneva and former employee of WHO, said in March 2021 that the 194 member countries are not voting on whether they agree on the pandemic treaty. Instead, they are legally bound to concede to its framework. This delegation put together to draft the pandemic treaty has been embedded in the constitution of WHO and is immediately approved by 194 member states regardless of whether they adopt its principles. This delegation is legally binding according to the international health regulations. You're with Lembet Opic on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Greetings, uh, 12 minutes to 7 UK time. Uh, 12 minutes to 7 Brisbane time as well, other end of the world, of course. Uh, we're going to be speaking to Mary uh, Constakidis in a minute uh, about the David McBride uh, whistleblowing case. But I've still got uh, Dr. Jessica Rose with me. Uh, thanks very much for staying with me. I just want to read something that Holly, good morning, Holly, by the way, has said. Uh, two things. Holly says, how can we trust uh, that they are collating the data properly? How can you trust anything? The best idea is don't take something you obviously don't need. And then Holly adds, wearing a mask is like pouring sugar through a tennis racket. I tend to have some sympathy for that. Uh, Dr. Jessica Rose, if you feel that you've been affected by the vaccines, what are the what are the next steps to take? Um, it's a great question. I, I get a lot of emails from people who are scared. Um, my first question to them is, how do you feel? I, I mean, I first say I'm not a medical doctor, so I can't give you medical advice. But from a human point of view, I ask how people feel. And most people say, I feel fine. And I'm like, well, Pierre Corey, he is a medical doctor, an ICU doctor. And he says, if you're a year out from your last shot and you feel fine, don't worry. Because worrying is probably going to do more harm than good. And I mean that literally. Um, that's really bad for your immune system, um, your stress levels, your cortisol, all the, that stuff. So if you feel good, I would say keep doing what you're doing. If you uh, are concerned because uh, you have a long-lasting effect, I would find a a good GP and I would uh, like keep up a good rapport with them and do your best to maintain a clean diet, um, lots of antioxidant-rich foods, exercise. Don't push it. Just find something you love to do to, that moves your body and gets you outside. This is always good. Even if there's no sunshine, just breathe some fresh air. Uh, get sunshine if you have it available because, of course, this helps with vitamin D levels, which is an immune system uh, essential. Um drink clean water, just really all the basics that we we all kind of were taught when we were young. Um, and if you feel sick, like if you have a cold or something, stay home. Um, I know that's probably not the, the you know, the, the best advice, but it's the most general I can give. Um, there are people who are developing ways to remove spike 
if you think that you have a residual spike protein being manufactured, um, there are natural food products that have enzymes that degrade uh, uh, proteins like natokinase. You can you can get this in um, from food sources. So, yeah, that's that's the, the long answer. <laughs> But no, thank you. It's common sense as well. But as my late father used to say, sense is not common. But there is lots of common sense <laughs> in what you said. Thanks so much. That's Dr. Jessica Rosa. I imagine he might have taken the injection because he trusted authority. Uh, but he would also have been pleased that I'm questioning authority. That's at the heart of free speech, really. If you've got a view on this, please do join us in the debate. Uh, I can see the, the chat box is getting really lively on this. Uh, Jethro says, humans are a sealed unit for a reason. The fact that injections are used just reinforces that reality. Uh, Mazzy, good morning, Mazzy, or afternoon. Don't know where you live, actually. Uh, morning, ladies and gentlemen. Excellent comments. I do tend to agree with that. Uh, do keep your calls and comments coming on that, and I will read them out in the second hour as well. It's that important, I think, to us here at TNT Radio and to you as a citizen of a planet where you are a sealed unit. It's a great way of describing human beings. Uh, you're listening to Lembotopic here on TNT Radio. Let's move on to uh, another subject I have covered recently, and it's an ongoing story, a story of David McBride, who is being accused of whistleblowing and faces a very stiff sentence if indeed he is found guilty. What's his alleged crime? What's the latest? Joining me now is Mary uh, Costadidis, who is a former SBS news presenter, but now advocates for press freedom and for whistleblowers. Uh, Mary, thanks for joining us on TNT Radio. Thanks, Linda. Good to talk to you. First of all, remind us again, what is David McBride being accused of? Well, he's been charged with stealing documents from the um, ADF where he worked and passing those documents on as well as passing on information to three journalists. And as uh, you know, the case against the ABC was dropped by the AFP, so they decided not to press charges against the journalists, but the prosecution of the whistleblower is continuing and in fact uh, he's being tried uh, now. So that's the accusation. What's the latest yes. in terms of the situation for him? And I know we can't uh, make a, it would be subjudice for us to make a, make a verdict, but, but, but what's happening in the case? Okay, so uh, the first two days of the case, um, Justice David Mossop in the Supreme Court in the ACT heard arguments from um, David's lawyers and the prosecution as to the nature of duty because the judge has to instruct the jury uh, to make a decision as to whether um, David was doing his duty uh, when he took public interest into account and made these disclosures. Um, so he has to decide what duty is, what's the definition of duty? And the jury then have to decide whether uh, David was uh, right to make those disclosures in the course of his duty because they were in the public interest. Now, the definition of duty um, is, is uh, you know, provided for two, two very interesting days. They would have been a lot more interesting if the prosecution had allowed defence to use 
some of the evidence that um, they didn't allow them to use. Uh, there was a, a report by someone who uh, called Professor Stephen Coleman, who's an expert in military ethics. So he uh, clearly had provided a report that goes to the very nature of duty in the military for officers. Uh, however, that was not allowed. So the judge in the end decided that an officer's duty is simply to follow orders, uh, that there was nothing in the law that, that explicitly states that an officer's duty is anything um, other than to follow orders. The defence had tried to convince the judge that when taking an oath to serve the sovereign, which they, we do in Australia, um, there is a, a particular meaning attached to that, that, it, it, that you have an obligation, yes, to uh, follow orders, but your, the oath uh, that you swear of allegiance to the sovereign and, and your duty to the sovereign involves public interest because the sovereign's duty is to, first duty, primary duty, is to care for the welfare of the citizens. And in the same way, uh, an officer acting in the name of the sovereign has to take into account their um, care for uh, the welfare and the interests of the public. So that's more or less what David's case rested on. There were other issues, of course, as well, such as his duty as a lawyer, because David wasn't employed um, as a, you know, one of many soldiers. He, he had a very specific role in the military. His uh, task was to advise on whether um, a mission, for example, that they were going on was lawful, uh, fell within the uh, rules of engagement, for example. Um, so a lawyer's, does a lawyer have a duty to disclose a criminal act uh, where harm is involved, serious harm is involved? All of those sorts of things were raised, but uh, in the end, the judge made the decision that um, he... he accepted the prosecution's definition of duty uh, and that's going to be appealed. So the um, defence, David's lawyers, uh, said that they would um, appeal that. Uh, he, the judge then did not allow a uh, full bench to hear the appeal. So David's lawyers are going to now appeal that decision and that, uh, I understand, will occur tomorrow. So a different judge, I expect, will hear that case and decide whether these arguments about duty will uh, now be heard by a full bench. And that, of course, it will delay the trial further. Um, but um, clearly they uh, felt that without doing this, um, if, the judge, if the judge gives the brief to the jury that he will, will do following this decision, then David's lost his case because the jury would, would not be able to find in his favour. In, in short, then, uh, how long do you think that uh, he will continue being uh, on trial? Because being on trial is in itself a punishment. 
Well, it depends on what the um, whether the appeal court will hear it, and if they do, then um, it could be months. Um, in fact, uh, Judge David Mossett said it could be years, so um, he was not in favour of it. Um, if it doesn't occur, then uh, either the trial will go ahead with um, a jury where uh, David is very likely to lose, but the trial may also be aborted for um, other reasons because concurrently there's another have, action... Uh I'm sorry, yep. we're going to have to leave it there, but I really want to bring you back because this is a fascinating subject. Sorry to cut you off, but we leave it on that cliffhanger with Mary Costa-Kitis. I promise to come back to this. Uh, uh, we're going to come to back to that issue because there are big free speech questions at stake. Coming up in the next hour, we'll be talking about climate fundamentalism, about what's happening in Bulgarian politics and a gambit by British Labour. All that with me, Lemba here on TNT Radio. TNT Radio.